there, and the woman on the phone was like, yeah, it's, it is what it is, meaning you're <laughs> There's nothing yeah, you can screwed. do about it. You're just And if you want it, you'll have to wait to change. And, uh, here, you know, Ben, grab your All right, all like, right, all right. Jeez. Yikes. I don't know, wow. but as, as artists, it's, you know, it's just, it's such a weird little... Welcome to <laughs> Suggested Donation. I'm Edward Minoff. I'm Tony Sir, and I, we have Jay Braun right to my right. Braun, Braun. Hi, guys. Braun, Braun, Braun. And today we have a very special guest, a uh, uh, my neighbor, studio-wise, and somebody have a... Westchester in the house. Somebody I think we've all... Are you in Tony's building? Yeah. Yeah, I'm right across the street. Uh, quite across right the across hall. the hall. I got hall. Yeah. I, I got to yeah. move over there. I got to get a studio <laughs> in that building. Somebody who I, I think we've all admired uh, and have known your work for a really long time, Mr. John DeMartin. Artist, writer. Writer, writer. Yeah. Writer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it looks like a writer now. But yeah. <laughs> and we'll, you we'll, didn't, we'll, grudgingly. You didn't we'll start out as that. an artist, though. No, I, I, I didn't. I was, uh, I was a graphic designer. And before that, didn't you? I played uh, baseball. You you were a sports figure. I was. I now was we're, a sports figure. Was it college? College? No, I, I you know Mamaroneck High School, Westchester County. You went. To, I didn't know you went to Mamaroneck yeah, High School. Yeah, yeah, I went to Mamaroneck High School, and um, I was uh, it the Tigers. It was a Mamaroneck Tigers. Look at that! <laughs> Very good. Across you know, the street. Oh, you were at Harrison. That's I went to right, Harrison, you know. and across the street in Mamaroneck, it was um, from the high school. Was, <laughs> do you remember Cooks? I do. That was, was a great place. It yeah. was like a, what was that? It was an arcade. Oh. We would go there and play I remember in the winter taking a McDonald's hamburger and a McDonald's bag to Cooks because it was really really cold and I couldn't sit at McDonald's. It was one of those <laughs> old McDonald's where they didn't have any tables. I remember that. And yeah. they cooked. They kicked me out because you know they, what are you eating a McDonald's hamburger at Cooks for? Because it was a, it was an arcade, <laughs> but it also it was like you know fast. We'll have oh, like hot right, dogs, right, and hamburgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally, you go there, buy a couple of French fries, but you spend all your time in the arcade playing arcade games, playing like Spy old, Hunter. Yeah, yeah all the old great. school. It was great. Uh, uh, arcade games. <laughs> So you were playing baseball there? Yeah, I played baseball at Mamaroneck High School. And um, I did pretty well my junior and senior year. Um, got all county. So, ah. Uh, yeah. What so, position? Uh, center field. Ah. I played against Lee Mazzilli, who played for the Mets. Wow. Mazzilli, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He played in Brooklyn, and we played, uh, you know, we were kind of the Westchester Babe Ruth League played against the, uh, the Brooklyn Mets or whatever. Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn Babe Ruth League. And uh, Lee Mazzilli was thinking about going to Arizona State University, and so was I. So we were talking about maybe possibly being roommates and uh, being roommates. And uh, he got the contract to go to the Mets, and uh, I didn't. (laughs) So I went uh, to Miami-Dade South uh, Junior College and played baseball there, hoping to get a contract after my my junior my, no my sophomore year cuz it was a two year school. Well, is that is that Miami Dade is that part of Miami University? No, it's a junior U- university college. of Miami. Yeah, it's a junior college and I was thinking about going to University of Miami after mm-hmm. um, you know, if I didn't get a contract from Miami Dade South after Miami Dade South, I thought I'd maybe go the last two years University of Miami and and uh, and see what happens after that. But I decided that uh, I didn't get the contract after my sophomore year. I had a pretty good pretty good years, but not enough to attract any you know scouts or anything like that. So yeah. I said I better start getting serious about what I wanted to do. So um, 
I'm not sure if I still am, but anyway. Um, <laughs> was but, art something uh, that you were doing, pursuing I, before baseball or during baseball? Like, was it something that was was developing all along? Yeah, kind of in tandem. It, it, it was. I always liked to draw. Right. And the I, when I was taking, uh, when I was going to Miami Dade South, I was playing baseball on the, on the team, but I was taking classes that were really art related. Uh-huh. You know, I took photography. I took, uh, you know, life drawing. Right. And, uh, and, you know, design and things like that. And um, so, yeah, I was kind of thinking about if I don't get, again, uh, signed, I'll, I have to go maybe to school somewhere and, 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 and kind of pursue art. Mm-hmm. My dad went to Pratt Institute, and um, so I thought, you know, Pratt would be a good choice. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Pratt Institute, and uh, I asked if they had a baseball team. <laughs> In Brooklyn. <laughs> and they didn't have a baseball team. And, and they said, we used to have a baseball field, but you're, you're sitting on top of it. It was now a gymnasium. So anyway, I was talking to the basketball coach. So I, I ended up playing basketball at Pratt. And they it, have a basketball was, team? They have a basketball team, yeah. Right. So it was really cool. So I was playing with a lot of the neighborhood guys, and they were really they're good. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> really good. But I was, it was kind of cool because I was like uh, maybe one of the two or three white guys on a team. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I could dunk a basketball, so that was kind of cool. Really? Yeah, yeah. So. We are all super athletic, Did jumping you? up for those fly balls. <laughs> was, there was that was baseball player, Kurt Flood. Do you know about him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he turned yeah. out to not... So there was a baseball player who was known for these incredible portraits that he used to do. And he would do them of all these... And it turned out he wasn't doing the portraits. Oh, really? I didn't what? know that. A friend of mine did a documentary about it. It's called The Curious Case of uh, Kurt Flood for really? HBO. And uh, yeah, he, was, he became famous for these... Or, Kind of within that circle. Wait, was for, he was he a pro ball player? Was he? He was a professional baseball player. Who did he play with? He had a. Oh, he played for St. Louis Cardinals. For the Cardinals. Yeah. Then he was traded with the to the Phillies. Yeah. And he didn't want to go to Philadelphia. So what happened is he had a class action suit against baseball. And oh, he, this was a big thing. Yeah, that yeah. was Marvin Miller and the whole yeah. baseball, you know, free agent crisis and all that stuff. Yeah. So I think that what happened is Kurt Flood was banned from baseball, never played again. And it's too bad because he was a great talent. And yeah. he had a big impact, I think, on the players he, he did, unionizing. Think, or ne- yeah, inevitably they won. Right. The, the baseball, I think, players union won. And now, but you know, he lost personally. He so lost he, personally. he paved the way for he the was players sort of a to have a little bit more. Man. Right. Because I, I think at the time you just got traded and it was. And you had no say. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So and he so, was a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. Right. But then he was. He did open as doors. A side story he was like a really good portrait artist and he was doing all these portraits that started out of like all the other baseball players but then he got a gallery uh he, i mean he started his own gallery i think and was selling the his portraits through his gallery yeah. but then it turned out that Did he didn't do any of them? he was paying some guy i think to do the portraits <laughs> Yeah, it's a crazy story. I never heard that. That's the first time I heard that. Yeah, it was, co- it was, how did I, it come out? My friend did the documentary, and he learned about this, yeah. uh, and he was struggling with, because I think the, the premise of the documentary had been that he, was, he had sacrificed himself for you know, the greater good of, yeah. of baseball players yeah. having yeah. a little bit of a say in their life and destiny. And, you know, he was holding him up as this heroic figure. And then it turned out that he was also had like perpetrated this fraud. (laughs) And he was wondering whether he should include it. Ultimately, he included it because it was like a weird, complicated wrinkle so that heroes aren't just greater. But, you know. Yeah, people are so complicated. Even the heroes we we admire are so complicated. I I hesitate to ask this, but does that mean that whoever was doing the portraits was painting from photographs? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was—he was—he wasn't 
trying to do it from life. He was, you know, it was, you'd send him a photograph. I, I see, think. I see. Right. Did it ever mm. come out who who was the artist? Who I can't was remember. I'd have to check that out. I'd be really curious to know. Yeah, I would yeah. too. I would too. I it think. is funny when you see art that somewhere <laughs> that's like competent. Yeah. It our world of competent artists is so small you feel like well i must know who did that or i must I know, be aware of them. Like, world. i must follow them on instagram yeah. or something like i must know who they are or know uh, like the legend of it's this a tiny well, that was world. in the 70s so that's got to be someone maybe i'll maybe I'll ask michael aviano it was my it was michael aviano <laughs> so what how do you get from pratt to michael aviano well after pratt i was actually majoring in filmmaking oh at pratt yeah you were, yeah i said i got a I got a major in something, and I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't going to. I uh, wasn't going to major in illustration or anything. I really had an interest in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So um, I took film classes, but I also took foundation, which you have to take when you're um, at a four-year art school. Yeah, I. But took I'm that going too. two years, but I still mm-hmm. had to cram in some foundation classes. So it was like life drawing, and uh, I think maybe I don't know art and design and architecture or something like that. But anyway, but I was really majoring most in film. And uh, no, it was great. I, I, I loved it because um, you know we had a 60 millimeter Bolex and we would go out and with a crew and and make films yeah. and uh, indie films. Of, indie films, yeah, exactly. And uh, but but I loved I loved the visual component of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it, the story was important. But what was more important to me was the uh, location. I love yeah. scouting locations. Yeah. So you were more artists, a cinematographer yeah. than a... I wanted to be a cinematographer. Like, you didn't want to be a writer. You, didn't, you yeah. were less interested in the narrative than you were in just exactly. the visuals. Exactly. Exactly. I wanted to be a cinematographer. Did you recognize that about yourself? Or um, was that something in hindsight you kind of have realized? I, I, I did. I mean, I, I always loved movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love the visual aspect of movies. And I remember I had a wonderful high school teacher... And he was an English teacher, but he, sh- he showed classic movies like Sajahara Ray, the Indian f- uh, f- filmmaker, mm-hmm. and uh, um, trying to think, you know, Fellini and all these mm-hmm. classic movies. So I really, you know, in high school, you don't know it, but you're getting this impression that is, uh, is pretty profound because you're seeing these wonderful images. And I wasn't really studying paintings, but we, we kind of grew up in the, in the period where we were watching movies. Yeah. And so movies was like the painting. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, uh, I just love that. And, and when I was at Pratt, I just loved the idea of going out on locations and, you know, having an idea of a story, but trying to find the right location that fit that story right. or that narrative. Right. And it was a lot of fun to do that. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So um, I made some films um, at Pratt. And um, then I said, I, you know, I've got to get in the film business. So, you know, how am I going to do that? I had an uncle that worked at... Um, a camera rental house. He founded it. It's called Furco, but it's no longer there. But um, but there weren't any uh, job openings. But someone said, you know, there's a job opening at a place called General Camera, and they rent Panavision, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like the Rolls Royce of film cameras. Of and if I can get there, always oh, at the end of credits. Panavision, Panavision. Panavision. Yeah. yeah, it's Technicolor. great. So yeah, I mean, and and, and you Technicolor, know, color, 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 exactly. Color. I mean, you see Panavision; it's so ubiquitous, and then. Um, so I thought, you know, well, maybe I'll go there. I, th- I hear there's an opening, so I'll try to interview there. So um, it was uh, pretty cool because um, when you're when you want to be a cinematographer, you got to start as a assistant cameraman. Yeah, then it's really be, hard to get oh in my that. Gosh. You know, Michael Ovitz is like a famous story of that, where he was he was yeah. trying to become a, he wanted to be a cinematographer, a cameraman, and he was trying to get in the union. He's waiting, 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 and he had apprenticed and waiting, 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 and he took a job at William Morris, at, you know, to wait, and wound up 
like when he was accepted to the union, he was also uh, offered a big promotion at William Morris, and he became like a famous super agent. It, it, it is a long apprenticeship, <laughs> no question about it. Yeah, but that that's uh, it's amazing. And um, I've, I've met a bunch of directors who um, they kind of worship good cinematographers. They're like, my job becomes so much better and easier because I have these like amazing cin- cinematographers. I had a, a, a friend, absolutely. a good friend of mine, uh, Nathan, he lives in Austin. He was working on the um, uh, uh, No Country for Old Men. Right. And, um, and That's I a for- beautiful film. And I forgot the Pretty name. Pretty violent. I haven't seen it, but... but it's violent, yeah, but the, it, the look of the, the film look is of just it. incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But the, um, he would talk about, you know... Uh, because he was doing lighting, and he would talk about, and I can't remember the name of the, uh, the cinematographer. He's like, you know, one of the great cinematographers of all times. He he works with the, uh, the Coen Brothers like in, on on all their movies, and he said he there would be a, a, a giant ridge like mountain, um, and he would just look at it, and say, okay, guys, uh, you're gonna put this there, you're gonna put this there, you're gonna put this there, you guys are gonna do this, you guys are gonna do that. They would all set it up, pretty much flick everything on, and it all looked perfect. Like his his eye was so in tune with exactly what he wanted visually that he was like there was almost no adjustment. He was like it was one it was the smoothest set I've ever been on, but you know everybody was like in awe. Like the, the cinematographer, they're that, all though. like, oh my god, he's so amazing, yeah. he's so amazing. Is that, yeah, and, and so were the red and gold. Yeah. And so were the like the Coen brothers are <laughs> like yeah he's like. But a lot of these the guys were influenced by classical art, like paintings, and that, I mean, Absolutely. there's a huge connection there. Did you ever make that connection? Absolutely. I, I, there's, a, there's a cinematographer, his name was Ron Latour, and he did, I think, some TV show or whatever in the 70s, and he said, I asked him about how do you do this, you know, how do you become a cinematographer? He said, study paintings. And he oh, said, yeah. first one, he said, Rembrandt, study Rembrandt. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember when I saw Apocalypse So did you do now. that? I did. I did. Yeah. And um, but, you know, uh, General Camera was basically, you know, working with, uh, you know, DPs that were coming off the field and they had to, you know, check out the camera or the assistant camera would check out the camera. But but I met some pretty, you know, pretty amazing people. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I art was still on the periphery, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't really thinking about painting at all. I was thinking about being a director. Of so at that point in your life, you had never really like seriously like sat down and tried to, I don't know, draw, like figure drawing or? Um, not really. I was just doing it for myself, you right. know, just as, as something I'd like to do. Like just kind of doodling in yeah. your spare time, but yeah. not really sitting down and, and trying to? Not really consciously, right. you know. I remember during my lunch break at General Camera, I'd go up to the, uh, you know, the, the fourth floor or whatever, where they were, it's a machine shop, you know, camera breaks down and they're fixing it. And I remember there was this big phone core, you know, piece of white phone core that mm-hmm. they'd use for, to reflect, reflect light, light, you know. And I did this scene of a baseball stadium, you know, uh-huh. with, with a, with a, with uh, Richie Allen was one of my favorite ball players, you know, back in Philadelphia when I lived in Delaware. Anyway, so Allen is coming out of the dugout, you know, and this heroic figure, you know, he's an amazing, you know, athlete and a, like an amazing, you know, a figure as well. And uh, the back, his back is very ominous and he's holding a bat, you know. <laughs> And then you see a baseball park in the background. So I did it like I did it with pen and ink or pen. I think I did it with a big pen because I didn't know what to use at that point. It was like a thirty by forty pen and ink drawing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, but it was really it came out well. I think I mean pretty well. So out of my imagination. And one of the guys, uh, 
you know, he took it home to his son, you yeah. know, <laughs> as, a, as a present. So that was pretty cool. That's better than, hey, DeMartin, he say, hey you DeMartin, should... why don't you get back to work and stop <laughs> going I, up there and I did it incrementally. Away. My German lunch break, I did it incrementally. All right. yeah. And they were like, you should be an artist, kid. And you're like, yeah, I will. I will be an yeah, artist. That, that, that's, no, that's, that, <laughs> that's the Hollywood version. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I remember my boss said, I want one of those, you know. <laughs> well, give me more time, you know, give and me a more promotion. lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> so were you looking at Old Master as far as anything influential in drawing? Or was it All Master work? No, it was basically, you know, um, it was just basically working at uh, General Camera for a while and uh, realizing that I didn't want to go into the business because there's so many, you know, dues to be paid. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I decided to, to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, anyway, so... Uh, I, I thought at that point, though, I, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I started to really get serious about art. I really like this, mm -hmm. and I really want to learn how to, you know, draw and paint. I didn't know where to start. So um, I, I said, well, my plan is to basically try to get a job that's, that's relatively stable, because in the film business, if you are a cameraman or a citizen cameraman, you're working from job to job, and there's a lot of, mm. there's no consistency. Right, and you're working you know? like 48 hours yeah. a day. Yeah, and you're all, traveling and then, a lot. Yeah. Right, and, and then, then two no months of nothing. Exactly, and I wanted to really, and to be, uh, you know, a student or something, study painting consistently, you need, you need consistency, you need yeah. to, you know. So I, I just said, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave, and as soon as I left General Camera, my name finally came up to take the assistant cameraman's test, you know, because it's a long, it's long just, list, you know. This is how it works. And, and I could have taken it, and I probably would have passed because I knew the Panaflex inside out, I guess, at that point. But, um, but I decided to, no, this is it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to just think about art, you know. Mm -hmm. So you went to the art. very uh, consistent work of being an artist. Right. Well, I know, it, it's so no crazy. Days. It's so crazy. I, you know, like when I told my dad, I said, you know, I really, I'm serious about, you know, really being a fine artist. <laughs> and he said, okay, yeah, you want to be a director of photography in the film business, and now you want to go into something even worse, you know. And, and so... So supportive uh, that, that went over. Yeah, well, it went over like a wet lead balloon, actually. But, <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, I was a, uh, my dad had a graphic arts company. Oh, yeah. And I was able to work for him, but I wasn't able just to go and work for him immediately. I had to go to a School of Visual Art <clears throat> and take some... Um, uh, evening classes, a lot of evening classes, while I was working at General Camera. So yeah. it was about a year or so of just you know working a lot, you know, because uh, I had to I had to make money. Yeah. And evening classes in illustration. Uh, you know, graphic design. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't you know didn't come easy to me, but I but I took it. I took about yeah about a year of classes, and I had to get a portfolio. And not only did I work for my dad, I also uh, freelanced as well to other with other graphic design mm -hmm. companies. But my plan was to um, you know. Um, get a, a consistent, you know, job in graphic design and where I can go at ne in the evening and start studying drawing. Right. And I started studying at the Art Students League with Gustav Rayberger uh -huh. many years ago <laughs> in the 80s. And uh, I would go on Saturdays. And because I was working, you know, and I didn't know there was, uh, I didn't know he taught in the evening. So when I started going in the evenings, studying with Rayberger and, uh, and I just drew, you know, I just drew about three or four years before I before I found Michael Aviano. Is, was there any kind of uh, progression at the league, or was it just, there's, here's the model, he comes in you know, once or twice a week, uh, Gustav Rayberger, and talk, like, kind of just helps you with making this drawing good, but there's, or, or was there some sense that he's 
paying attention to you over the years because I studied there when I was, I don't know, 15, 14, and it didn't feel like there was a progression. No, uh, no, there really wasn't. Uh, It wasn't like, you know, here or even Mike Labiano that had an atelier that there was a real program. Well, a sense that you go from point A to point B, like that you start drawing the figure and maybe paint the figure later and that the drawing informs the painting and we can there's no no, like ongoing dialogue no not really i wasn't aware of it i knew that you know david lafell at that time was teaching painting and ted jacobs was teaching painting so Mm -hmm. in in the back of my mind i'm thinking about you know i'm going to go in that direction right after the league Mm -hmm. and uh rayberger was a, a great experience but with rayberger it was life drawing right and just life drawing right and the uh, the poses were were really short. I mean, I never knew there was a pose longer than forty five minutes. Right. I really didn't. I mean, yeah. so I was just doing that for three years. But yeah. it actually, it was a good training ground because it really I learned how to you work pretty quickly, I guess. Yeah, you must um, have done a lot of drawings. I did. I mean, he said he used to say you have to encircle the earth with newsprint before you can draw a fairly <laughs> decent figure. So, <laughs> so uh, anyway, I think I may have done that. But uh, what was the atmosphere? <laughs> Because um, it seems like you were you were going towards fine art even then. What was the atmosphere like back then? Um, it was about about you know figure drawing and, and it was pretty competitive because they had these student shows at the league, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and you kind of wanted to to do good work and and also you, you're inspired when you're sitting next to someone that's amazing. As you guys know, I mean, you know, it, it, there's this guy, I, I use him in a magazine quite a lot. He's not with us any longer, but his name is Romulo Costa. And he was, I think, the best draftsman I've ever seen in my life, even today. And he would, he, what he can do with, uh, you know, a piece of red chalk in 20 to 45 minutes was just unbelievable. So anyway, uh, I kind of, uh, I learned from him as well as Ray Berger. And uh, so that was really, it was, it was really, when I think back, I thought, oh, maybe it wasn't the best way to start, because, you know, usually you start from the plaster cast or, you know, but I didn't know about that. Because back then, at, at, at yeah, that weren't, wasn't They weren't even on. around. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean. That information so, was almost completely lost. Absolutely. It was so, it was so different in the early 80s. <laughs> it, was, it was nothing like yeah. this anymore yeah. around, you know. So, yeah. yeah, it was like, I didn't know, like. You know that there was an a ca- academic drawing where you'd spend maybe you know a week or a month on a figure. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. So, but I only found that afterwards. So, uh, but after yeah, but you do investigation, you know. Yeah. And around around 1985, I think um, the New York Academy started, you know, oh, uh, yeah. happening, and um, Stuart Parvar and. Um, Andy Warhol, I think they found they they founded New York Academy, and that started I think happened mid '80s. But they were they were above a church on First Avenue, you know, in the in the twenties. I yeah. think it was like a little little room, and um, Ted Schmidt was you know was teaching there. And so Ted Schmidt was there from the beginning. He was there from the beginning. How did he know, wind up? Like, was yeah. he friends with Warhol or something? You know, he was friend. I, I I don't know. There's some kind of connection there. You know, oh, yeah. with he and Stuart, maybe. Uh huh. You know. And, uh, the New York really Academy is only from the from the eighties, from the mid eighties. Uh, I think it was like why do I think it was older? It, it may have been. I, I may I may not have my my dates right, but maybe. But I have no idea. It just I seems mean, like say, it's like, always. I would kind say of early early to mid eighties. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure. 
But that's when I found out there was a pose longer than 45 minutes. <laughs> so. Was he, Ted Schmidt was teaching there and there was, he was doing kind of longer, longer poses. Is that? Well, it was castroid. Oh, he, he, wow. What, what they did, oh, I wow. mean, as I started, you know, when you start art, you start investigating about, you know, how did these guys learn? How did they train? Right. You know, so I started, you know, after at the league, I, I said, you know, let me research. I want to research into you know drawing and the masters and and i started reading about old masters and uh you know and i said oh you know they, they drew from you know flat drawings for a while then they drew from the plaster cast and i said wow i mean where am i gonna you know where am i gonna do that right and then i saw this advertisement american artist that that was advertising i think the new york academy and it was cast drawing i said wow that's perfect you know so yeah. so then i i uh, i enrolled i think it was in the evening class there because I again I had to work, but um, yeah, so I started you know drawing the cast under mm. Ted Schmidt, mm. and uh, Milay Andreevich also uh, the late Milay Andreevich was also one of the teachers there, and, um, and then the New York Academy moved to Lafayette Street, and that's where they were before the, the school the current back yeah. yeah current yeah, yeah. so uh, then I, I I kept taking classes there. Because I was really fascinated, so I really wanted to learn how to draw the plaster cast. You know, mm-hmm. so at this point you were still pretty much just concentrating on drawing. You weren't really painting yet. Uh, yeah, just drawing. Just drawing. Just drawing. Yeah. And I, yeah, I didn't. I really wanted to get pretty good at drawing yeah. before. I, you know, Why? Like what? Painting. I mean, at that time, I, I feel like that also wasn't necessarily so widely understood. That like that's the foundation for painting. Yeah, you, you should know? be painting. I right? know. Just drawing. That, that, that's a great jumbo. question. It's great because Gustav Rayberger said I, I asked him, "Hey, you know, I'd like to start painting." Mm-hmm. And then he looked at my drawing. You see, you see that leg? That leg is drawn incorrectly. You would paint that leg incorrectly if you painted. So that kind of said, you know, maybe I should just learn how to draw a little longer. <laughs> so that stuck with you, and you you were it just did. like, I'm just it gonna, did. okay. Uh, but you know, after a while, I I, I started getting, I, you know, I just started saying, you know, I I gotta start painting, you know, right. uh, you know, and uh, so when I was I was working at graphic art the whole time, you know, and going to the um, the academy in the evening, and um, and and actually I was. Uh, because I, I was, you know, doing pretty well. As Milay Andreevich was my teacher in Laf- Lafayette, um, in the Lafayette School, and uh, they used to have these student shows, and and they asked me to start teaching, uh, you know, CE. Wow. So that was really cool. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I started teaching in the evening, and um, I really have to jog my memory here. And then um, teaching cast drawing, <clears throat> cast drawing exactly, which was a lot of fun. I and mean, when you had to teach something, you really learn a lot. And had too. you painted yet at that no, point? No, still not painting. Okay, so you were like a drawing expert at that point. And were you also uh, working graphic design <laughs> during the day? Uh, I was working at graphic design during the day. And now you're not no longer no, working. No, in I'm independent of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you do you think yeah. um, the discipline? Well, first, did the drawing come easy to you? Was it something that you just latched onto really um, quickly? Uh, it came easier than painting. Mm. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think any of the discipline from you know being a, a pers- wanting to pursue professional ball, being a professional baseball player, that discipline helped you yeah. figure out? I, I think of? it did because I, I I think I could be pretty obsessive. You know, once mm. I try to lock into something, I really want to be good at it. So um, yeah. So um, but then I, I I think at that point I did start starting with Michael Aviano. 
mm. you know, at that point. And uh, so was, there was an overlap with yeah, the New York was, Academy yeah. and, and Aviano. Yeah. Was Aviano teaching? Wasn't he teaching at the New York Academy at one point? Um, he was teaching at the New York Academy. Yes. Is that um, how you met him? No, actually, I was working uh, in graphic art, and uh, I remember we were doing an annual report, mm-hmm. and we needed an illustrator to do a cover um, because we decided let's use an illustration, not a photograph. So we found an illustrator in New York City, and his name is Tony Kokinos. He teaches, I think, at FIT. Anyway, uh, I went in to deliver some swipe file material because he needed some photographs. And um, so we got to talking and he said, and I said, you know, I, I, I love to draw. And he, you know, he was a very good draftsman, you know, mm-hmm. a good illustrator. And, and he said, um, well, I said, you know, I'd love to draw, but I really don't know who to study painting with. And I think we we're at a luncheonette. And he said, you see that Heinz ketchup bottle there? He said, I know a guy that can teach you how to paint that bottle exactly the way that bottle looks. <laughs> and I said, really? You know? <laughs> so, so, who is that? Who he doesn't said, want to paint <laughs> on special bottles? Sold. Yeah, so who's that photo realist that does that? I forget his name. But anyway, um, I said, you know, so I was really you know, curious. And he, he recommended Michael Aviano because they were buddies. They're about the same age. Oh, yeah. And then Michael was an illustrator in his early years, too. I but, didn't know that. Yeah, he was, uh, he was he, from Frank Riley. He really trained artists but also illustrators well not everybody knows the history of michael aviano who i think i mean someday would be amazing to well yeah i've tried i've tried i'm I'm still trying i'm still trying i think aviano we have to get him drunk and kidnap him. yeah i think aviano is the only one who wouldn't be the first time yeah (laughs) Yeah, i think aviano is is the only one who kind of you know not necessarily denied but just was like i don't know He's so yeah, humble. Not. I mean, right. he's so humble. I don't know if I want and, to go on. Uh, but so he what studied at the league with, uh, with Frank Riley. Is that Aviano's he, kind of history? Yeah, well, he, he studied with Frank Riley, um, I think. At the uh, Art Students League. At the right? Art Students League, yeah. When he was young, looking for uh, the right teachers. I think Stuart Clonus was the president at the time. And I think he looked at Michael's portfolio and he said, uh, you know, I think you... I think you should be with Riley. For some reason, he thought Riley was a good fit. Mm-hmm. And it really was, because Riley was very theoretical yeah. about everything. He had it, you know, uh, almost to a fault. And, and Michael also is the same way. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how Michael can deconstruct something, you know, drawing and painting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I went to visit Michael, uh, it, it, was, it was great. I mean, I, went, I got to his apartment in his foyer, and they had these uh, paintings on canvas panels. And they're mm-hmm. like painting by numbers, and they were terrible. These musical instruments, really flat. And I said, "Oh my God, I hope that's not Michael Aviano's paintings." <laughs> you know, because I'm in for it if it is. I mean, I, I, I want to almost walk out. This is out. the Heinz like, guy. Oh my God, this is the Heinz guy. You know, and uh, so I was a little worried. But when I got, you know, up to his his, uh, you know, his apartment on the third floor, uh, he opened the door, and I looked across, and I saw the self-portrait above his mantle. It's still there. And it's an amazing self-portrait. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is where I want to be. Right. Because yeah. this was like the 80s. There aren't really many, a lot of people doing it at that time. Yeah. You know what Michael was doing? Well, he was doing like it Ted, out of his Ted house, Jacobs was too, doing right? Yeah. He was teaching out of his apartment. And he was doing it up until like his late 70s. Right. Yeah. I mean, I heard yeah. somebody, like a story of somebody who like, there wasn't really space, but he, and they wound up like doing drawings in, in his kitchen. bathroom. Or <laughs> the kitchen. Yeah, something like that, where yeah. there's like... There was no space, but everybody really wanted to like to study with him. He had this base of knowledge that 
you know, nobody else had. Yeah, no one was really, you know, offering that. Right. You know, the league, like you said, wasn't really structured, but he had a structured class that basically you started with, uh, you would you would draw from Plaster Cass. And did that come know? from Riley, from his time with Riley, who had some connection, what is it, to Dumond, who had... Yeah, Dumond, and I think Dumond studied with... Uh, Cabanel and right in, in, in the France. 19th century, so it goes yeah. back to yeah. the yeah. French Seriously. Academy. It does, and I think that's why Michael. Uh, I mean, that's why I really like Michael. He was really a proponent of that. You and know, it was real atelier, right? Yeah. yeah. And he had like yeah. a real tangible connection, like a direct link he to did. that. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, I think Tim Tim Stotts did like the the, the tree, you know, tracing oh, yes, from the right, Karachi right. all yeah. the way through the French school, right. 18th century. So yeah, there's a real lineage there, and it's really. In fact, Dumond. I think Riley was with Dumond, and I tell people this, my students, that. Riley was very observant, you know, and he'd watch Dumond draw the figure, and there were these lines that kept re- reoccurring in every drawing. So Riley came up with this, uh, I hate to say systematic, but it is, I guess, but this six-line figure where yeah, it's like a I figure understand. that's abstracted, and it's in the book, actually. But, but it's really, it's actually a very, very uh, important, I think, tool for the draftsman, you know. Mm-hmm. So Riley was able to, um, I don't know, uh, make it simple, too. Right, so, you know, like you know, break it down. It. Yeah, he was able to distill it really well. Mm-hmm. But he did that and with color as well. He started. He, he latched onto like the whole Munzel sort of he system. He did. Yeah, I know yeah. that for Riley, a lot of those early, um, were kind of mid-century illustrators or something were very, um, were very interested in Riley, and apparently he trained a lot of like really great illustrators. Did you, that, Tony, study with somebody who had studied, studied with, with Riley, or it was the first introduction to? To any sort of color theory I ever had right. that made sense. Right. And it was um, in School of Visual Arts, is uh, Marvin Madelson. He yeah. studied with somebody who studied with Riley. Made Ryan. sense, meaning it was right. systemat- like it was systematized. Very it wasn't like, well, it's sort of like this and it's kind of a little bit blue here. He was like, he, he was analyzing in a very like almost mathematical way. Very exactly. mathematical because, and the reason why it, um, it was so useful to illustrators is because illustrators then were, you know, you had to make up everything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was a theoretical way of how to paint something that didn't exist. Right. Um, this is how it would look in nature. It doesn't exist. You do the drawing. This is how it would. Here's how look. the color would. This is right, what it would how to apply. Like. Yeah. So he used a, Interesting, very, a very version important. of a, a Munzel system and kind of developed it his own way. Um, and then use that, and that's why a lot of illustrators were uh, uh, taken, like took his class a lot because it Riley. helped them um, create all these these things that didn't exist for book covers and for articles mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and editorial yeah. pieces. Yeah. Was that what Aviano was teaching, or did he kind of veer off from that a little bit? You know, Aviano <clears throat> Aviano uh, used Riley a lot, but he he compressed the value scale from eleven to nine. nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a little bit friendlier, I guess, or a little easier to the work with. Of spinal tap. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, put it to eleven. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> True. Right. Um, so, uh, so that was a little bit more manageable, I guess. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I learned on. So I don't really know. I mean, I can't compare it to eleven, but, <laughs> but, anyway, but it was a little easier. But actually, I compress it now to even to three values. So. But uh, every generation we're getting, we're going, we're going to an open. We're dumbing college. it down. <laughs> so, so, uh, so uh, Aviano took that information, and then he was doing. I'm assuming he um, 
because I never studied with Michael. I've met, you know, we've hung out a bunch of times, and I'm completely fascinated. I think he's a charming, wonderful man. Oh, yeah, he is. Um, but I don't know exactly how he teaches, so I was wondering what did he take and how did he develop it? Like, I'm assuming he developed it his own way well, and then taught it out of his, um, his yeah, apartment. Yeah, he, he did. I think what's interesting, you were kind of onto something. You said older illustrators that had invent pictures. Yeah. And I think that's why Riley was very popular because he gave people a methodology that they can deconstruct the palette, I guess, or nature. And, you know, there's some good and bad to that. I mean, if you're uh, painting what's in front of you, um, sometimes you don't want to be limited to a controlled palette per se. You want something a little bit more free and spontaneous. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the model in front of you, um, then you do need some theoretical, mm -hmm. a lot of it. Right. So I think that's what's good about learning that because you can like learn the rules and then break the rules. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have something as in terms of a principle or a theoretical process, then you're really just you're too much to mercy at the mercy of what's in front of you. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's a balance. Um, and I think what's interesting is that illustrators in the older times, I guess like Dean Cornwell and um, that, that, that period, they were amazing picture makers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they could make a picture. And, uh, and I think they, they really had their technical ability, you know, to do that. They were really, really amazingly trained. And I think that's a good thing. Um, to to introduce that kind of structure, yeah, because um, I think drawing too. I mean, being able to invent a figure, and it's hard to do. That's really hard. Yeah. But um, to deconstruct a figure as well, you know, as as well as a palette, and be able to try to do that at your imagination. Yeah. Um, so, but but Michael, uh, we talk about that even today about uh, picture making, about you know uh, drawing invention you know out of imagination i think that's a really cool that's a it's a fascinating subject you know? it, it seems when you look at the um you know the old masters they were just inventing left and right you know it's it yeah. almost is like did they actually draw this from life or paint this from life it, it almost seems impossible so um do you think with your own work that's you started becoming more and more interested in the old the way the old masters were doing inventiveness it. the kind of inventiveness yeah. of like being able to draw something out of your head i don't know if it was you who, t who said once that uh like you'd really know how good somebody is at drawing when you see them just like sketching out of their head like how bad or how good it is like you know they're probably a pretty good draftsman if like even out of their head like you have some yeah. really like nicely drawn yeah. figures that make sense. It, it, it's really, it, it's very complicated because um, some people can draw their head really, really well. But then when, you, when the model's in front of them, they may not be that good. Yeah. Or they draw the same head that they drew when the model wasn't in front of them. You know, that's, right. that's a danger. You can, you can develop this sort of manneristic quality right. where if you learn how to, how to draw something really well out of your imagination, you, even with the model in front of you, you're drawing out of your imagination. imagination. Rayberger did that a lot. A, you're not observing. Yeah, and I, I have a lot of respect for Rayberger. I, I remember um, his figures were always very dynamic and Weren't they kind of almost Tintoretto-esque? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he had uh, forms everywhere, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> forms uh, on top of forms. Yeah, he basically, <laughs> I mean, even the, the most demure female model would look like, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger. Or something, <laughs> you know? And uh, maybe that's a little too dramatic. But, but anyway, um, but he was about 
but that's what Tintoretto is a good uh, comparison because he was about actually inventing a lot of pictures. When you oh, look yeah. at his work, it was all, yeah. very invented, and there's a manneristic quality to it. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that um, at all because it's what it, that's what his vision was. Right. So pretty much he learned, he adapted to his vision, and I think um, you know you, you try different teachers. Right. And uh, where Michael was to me was a good balance because Michael also had a lot of respect for the old masters, mm-hmm. but he was able to. Um, the language that he was able to use was very applicable to also drawing from life as mm-hmm. well. So you walked into his studio. There's the self-portrait there. You're yeah. you're sold on it. So what do you wind up? What what happens then? What what are you doing at his studio? Well, what, what I did. The first thing I showed him was basically copies I did from a uh, from an, a book uh, an engravings a book of engravings from the 18th century, uh-huh. and uh, it was by Charles Jean Bear, Method and Pendre de Design. Method and procedure of drawing, oh, cool. yeah. and uh, and it was it was unbelievable. I, I came across. I, I was reading an article about 18th century French drawing, and I and I think it was the show in the Princeton you know, Museum in the 70s. And I said, you know, I was reading it. And I'm saying, oh, this book was a very very important treatise during that time. And so I went to the New York Public Library, went to the print room, mm-hmm. and they had a copy. Oh, wow. wow! So I went every Saturday. And I was, you know, just copying, you know, the drawings, you right. know, because I, I read that you had a copy, you know, and that's what I subjected myself to do. And then I was went to a master drawing dealer on Madison Avenue, and I looked on... Shepherd Gallery? No, you know what? Oh. It was right across the street. It was called Lucian Goldschmidt. Uh-huh. And he, he specialized in 18th century. Oh, okay, yeah. Shepard was 19th century. Shepard was 19th century, right. exactly. Yeah. I, I got my Charles Barge drawing Bard. from uh, Shepard. Yeah. I love that gallery. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I went to this bookstore, uh, the, the master drawing dealer, and they had master drawings, and I would say I couldn't afford a master drawing. But I saw on the shelf they had method and procedure of drawing. Oh, they had a they copy. They had a copy, and it was for sale. An original? Original from 1740. Wow. wow. So I, I looked at the price, and this was like 1981. Eight hundred dollars. Wow! But I, ha- I was working. I had a design and graphic, des- you know, graphic design job, and I said, you know what? I'm going to buy it. So I bought it. Yes, you bought it. <laughs> I bought it, and I said, you know, I don't want to go to New York every, you know, Saturday and have to check out the book. I, right. This is a book I could have, and I can work at night, you know, and. So it was but all were you afraid French. to use it, like open it and <laughs> handle the pages? The page like, turns oh, into dust. I know it's very, very fragile. Don't I still have it hermetically it. sealed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, my wife can speak French, so she was able to translate it for me. Oh, wow, that was convenient. Is that what it you mean? really was? <laughs> <laughs> she, she was actually going. To, there's, a, there's a part in the book where it says one must take up this art at a very early age, at 14. <laughs> And at that point, I was 28. And the way she, she <laughs> was... I re- get my money back from this book. <laughs> the way she was translating, because it was so verbose, and it was hard to, you know, write. So she decided to do it in a microphone, you know, read it, and also kind of, you know, translate it through the microphone. So, and I, w- I would get the cassette, and then she'd give it to me, and I'd play it, like, in the, you know, on the way to work or whatever. Uh, and then I'd hear these little subliminal messages, you know, that she'd say, you know, <laughs> you know you're 28, you're too old, give it up. <laughs> So, you know, so I thought, oh, I, you know, here I am, 28, and I should have started, you know, 14 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> but, so, but I stuck with it. I, I mean, it wasn't like I was dropped everything. I was still drawing from life, but I definitely was copying drawings for yeah. about a year. So, and when so you, then you showed those drawings? I showed them to Michael, Michael Aviano, and he was really impressed. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, so he said, wow, you know. 
cool. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so he, but I started on a plaster cast because I really wanted to go through his program. Right, even yeah. though you were teaching plaster casts at New York uh, Academy. You know what, my uh, chronology is all messed up. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, it's been so long ago. But right. anyway, I, I think there was some overlap there. But uh, yeah, that's a good okay. question. i got to think this out. <laughs> when was I teaching cast drawing? And when was I taking cast drawing classes? I should have uh, wrote all this down before. How long were you with uh, Aviano? I was with Michael about, uh, about three or four years. Wow. And, and that's when he started studying, I mean, teaching at the New York Academy. Academy. Yeah. But the and whole time cool. you were at his apartment. I was. I was. And I was also, I was, a lot of New York Academy students that were studying during the day were, was, t- were learning with Michael, too. Was Graydon Parrish one of those? That's, uh, had... Graydon came right after I did. Okay. Yeah. But I met Graydon at, at New York Academy because I was teaching uh, at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, uh-huh. uh, yeah, my, uh, Graydon is, uh, yeah disciple of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> did you um did he get you into painting right away? Is that what is that where you learned painting by the way? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. Yeah, I mean I I drew for about I maybe about 6 months cuz I did have a lot of drawing behind oh, me at yeah. that point. And then we started you know painting, but we painted geometric solids and uh it was great, uh, you know, this this wine bottle that had a taper and flare, then a sphere on top of that, mm-hmm. and all monochrome. Did you ever make it to the ketchup bottle? I didn't make it to the ketchup <laughs> bottle. No, no, I still haven't paid out the ketchup bottle to this day. <laughs> but um, no, it's just one year. It was, but he was very, very systematic. It was right. Like one year from with monochrome, uh-huh. and then after that we did uh, a color wheel, mm-hmm. and then from the color wheel we did the color spheres. That you know, on the, on the yeah, same form like yeah. you know, so it's a lot of color theory. A lot of color theory. We didn't have a model because it was out of his apartment. It's too small. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did that come about? Where 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 did you eventually start painting models? People? Well, I, I basically uh, I wanted to paint a model really bad, and um, I thought, well, maybe I'll be my own model. So I actually uh, took off my shirt in class and, and in his little atelier's apartment, and I had a mirror, <laughs> and I painted like a half torso mm-hmm. of myself. And uh, I was hoping the girls would follow my lead, but they didn't <laughs> but, but anyway, um, I'm an athlete. <laughs> I was anyway. <laughs> um, but 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 that, that was the only way I can really paint the model because he was, was such a small um, right, yeah. small situation. But uh, then when he started teaching at the academy, I uh, then you know took some of his life drawing or life painting class. He was teaching life painting at one mm-hmm. point. Yeah, so that was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I never really had a consistent life painting teacher. Mm-hmm. I pretty much had to, you know, teach myself, I guess, with right. what I learned with Michael. So the theory you then applied to painting from y- life. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I wish I did have uh, maybe more, in retrospect, a little bit more uh, formal training from the model. Right. But I never really did. I just learned a theory from Michael, and um, and I tried to. I'd got models on my own. Right. You know, I had a studio at that point. And I pretty much was learning as I go. Mm-hmm. And had you dropped out of graphic design at that point, or were um, you still kind of? Did you still have a day job? I I basically by teaching the teaching was basically my my ticket out of graphic design. Right. Because uh, when I I was at New York Academy, um, they asked me to teach graduate school there, uh-huh. and I said, "Wow, this is great." So I, I worked it out where I can work three days a week at graphic design, and then I can teach two days at New York Academy of Art. Mm-hmm. So I, I started teaching during the day there, you know, uh, graduate students. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was really great. I was teaching cast drawing. Oh, great. And um, after that, uh, then they moved to Chelsea. Right. And, uh, and I, I kept 
teaching, uh, I guess, cast drawing, but I also I got a little bit better at painting. Mm-hmm. So I started teaching painting. I started teaching painting one. Mm-hmm. And, and structural drawing, too. I remember meeting with Stuart Pivar, you know, and we're talking, they're talking about the plans for, you know, uh, what they're going to do in Chelsea, you know, the program. And, um, and, and Stuart was really, res- he had a lot of respect for Michael Aviano. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he heard that I studied with Michael for five years, I think it was five years, I said, to answer mm-hmm. your question. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, he said, well, we have Michael Aviano, you know, like, uh, yeah. so he gave me more uh, more courses to teach, which is great, or the school did anyway. Um, so I started teaching painting, mm-hmm. and, and and it was really a great experience because I have I, a lot of my students were guys you know, really, uh, like uh, Dan Thompson. Hey, oh wow, Danny yeah. Dan Boy yeah. Thompson. Dan Dan was one of my first students. I taught structural drawing. <laughs> so and uh, Patty that? Watwood. Oh yeah, ah. yeah. Uh, Doug Flint. Oh, wow. I, didn't know uh, I also taught Carl Dopsky. I mean, this wow. is way back when, you know, way back it's when. It's a who's who of Water Street. I know, yeah. <laughs> you got some so, all-stars in there. Yeah, really. I'm, I'm really, you know, I, obviously I'm incredibly proud of all of them, you know. <laughs> but, now, uh, were yeah. you teaching pretty much um, in a similar fashion to what Aviana was as far as color? And, I and was. Everything? I was. And what was great, I'm, I'm very, I'm blessed to have. Uh, studied with Mike Laviano because when I was teaching at New York Academy, a lot of teachers, believe it or not, didn't have a, a kind of a process. Uh, I believe painting. it. I remember. <laughs> I remember. <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, but I, I really had a real process, you know, in terms of the palette, and, um, and they really responded to that. Good for teaching, yeah. Yeah, really, the students really responded to that. So, so my, you know, I guess my, my standing went up a little bit because um, I was delivering what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think that was uh, that was good, and I was you know obviously learning as well. Now during all this, were you um, at some point were you like okay I'm going to be an illustrator, or were you like I'm going to go into this you know whether it's called fine art or just art I want to do I, I can care less about where it goes. You know um, I didn't want to be an illustrator. I never really did. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to paint my pictures. You know um, I had ideas i guess and uh and i'm still trying to do that yeah and it's really hard um i i I like painting from life but um and at one point i you know i said i want to start trying to sell paintings as well so i started painting you know still life and you know landscape and things that i could do um fairly quickly or easier Mm -hmm. and um so i was doing that but i don't know i mean i wasn't that successful at that mm-hmm. you know because um it was a little trial and error i guess um but i also i don't know if my heart was really into it because i remember um uh, i looked at a still life and i looked at, i looked at other people's still lives i mm-hmm. said oh you know i can technically do that and maybe i should try to do that because i think i can sell it mm-hmm. and you know if you you try to paint something where your heart is not into it it shows. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's know? funny how that, yeah. like, you just do a painting. It could be totally random, whatever the subject is, but you're into that painting for whatever reason you're engaged. Maybe it's just a distraction from other stuff, but you're engaged in that painting. People look at it, and they just see something is there. And yeah. it's, it's amazing. Like, people respond to it. People I, I know agree. that your heart's in it. Yeah. And when it's not... Sometimes those paintings sell. Sometimes people, you know, say nice things about those paintings. But, like, it's mm-hmm. not the same. It's just not the I same. I know. I, I would like to get some paintings back that I sold. <laughs> because I know that I was, you know, I, I did it basically because I thought it would sell. Right. Yeah. 
And, um, but, but not all of them, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some still lives that I have and I still keep, you know, like on my website that I am proud of because I really was into it. But yeah. when you have to make a living, you, you're kind of, or you want to, you kind of have to think that way in a way. It's a kind of a, it's a tightrope yeah, where you have to really kind of think tricky. about what you really like to paint and mm-hmm. what you think will sell. And that's really hard. I, I still have trouble with that. Well, you also have to yeah. show up to work every day. I mean, if you want to be, a, like, if yeah. you want to go pro as a painter, <laughs> you've got to be in front of your Sponsor. easel every day. Yeah. And sometimes you're not, you know, you're not feeling it. And you yeah. still, you got to find a way to, to work through that feeling and be inspired even when, you know, you're dragging a little Inspiration bit. is for amateurs. <laughs> Who said that? I forgot. Yeah, me. Said. Well, I said it. You know why? Because I have a mic in front of me. It's mine. <laughs> well, I think Trifkowski said inspiration is like a dinner guest that doesn't always come at first invitation. <laughs> so, so meanwhile, I work. <laughs> That's good. So yours is, yours is nicer than mine. <laughs> no, but I, I think that you just have to be. You do have to show up every day, but you have to like what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, you yeah. Have, you have to have a good idea, and you want to go with that. Yeah. You can't just show up to the studio and say, "Well, I'm going to just paint this yeah. ketchup bottle on my shelf," you know. You know, you got to. Well, maybe you got to paint the ketchup yeah. bottle. <laughs> it's a Heinz bottle. Yeah, it's a Heinz bottle. But you really got to really want to paint it. Yeah, because it can know. get really hard. It can physically, it can get physically hard and tiring. And if your heart's not in it, boy, does it drag. It really it does. It can really drag. Yeah, yeah. I I think that that's so fascinating. You really have to listen to, uh, you know, yeah, your emo- you know, you know when you're done. You know, yeah. Rayburg used to say, you know, when is a drawing done? When you have nothing more to say. Yeah. And when you you know when you have nothing more to say, and you're just you're beating a dead horse, <laughs> dead, you know, dead just on put an end to gone, it, gone, just put an end walk to it. away. <laughs> so at this point, were you um, also because you were teaching, and were you looking at maybe you know pursuing teaching more? Uh, no, I, I mean I I'm teaching a lot because I I, I just have not sold as much as I'd like. Uh-huh. Um, I, I guess I'm I'm trying to do something a little different in terms of you know what I'm painting right now, and uh, if I was if let's put it this way if I was more commercially successful like didn't wouldn't have to teach so much. Yeah. You're talking about currently. Currently. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. What are you painting right now? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I haven't been doing that for. A, a, well, you've been a an author. Yeah, I've been an author for a while. But anyway, no, I, I'm kind of it's it's a little convoluted, but I'm uh, fascinated with drawing. Yeah, yeah. I still am. And I uh, never will uh, not, you know, stop doing that. But um, I'm trying to to kind of fit this drawing that I'm trying to, I guess, master in, in a way that can support what I what I paint. Yeah. Because I really want to paint more and more um, from my imagination. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, I haven't painted from life in about two years. Mm-hmm. I, I paint from life when I do demos. Right. And uh, and I love it. I really do. But for myself, I've really been trying to work on some pictures. Mm-hmm. And picture making, to me, I am just absolutely fascinated with the process. Right. And I'm trying to learn the process. Um, there's a there's a quarterly uh, book or magazine that comes out, Master Drawings, which is out of the uh, Morgan Library. Uh-huh. And it's and I've been reading a lot about artists that you know from the 17th century or whatever. Um, how they made pictures, mm-hmm. and I'm really trying to to um, deconstruct the process of picture making. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, some of my ideas basically are imaginative. So I have to basically make it up, mm-hmm. and I have to try to uh, figure out the process in which to do that, how to right. do that. 
And so it's, I mean, it's, it's something that like wouldn't exist. It's something. Yeah. Totally... I mean, you know what? It, it could be uh, a, a sketch, a right. very loose sketch in your sketchbook. Mm-hmm. And, but it's something that, that obviously caught your attention. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're inspired to do something. Right. And I, I think uh, the sketchbook to me is so important because you can have a very, very uh, loose sketch, but there's something there that you want to try to investigate are you also sketching from your head or are you just, oh yeah all okay. the time right. i mean i mean yeah, or or from sculpture just learn about form and all right. modeling and all that stuff but but i mean when an idea comes to you i think it's really important to try to sketch it and mm-hmm. even write it as well is yeah. there somewhere where you get a lot of your ideas are you are you do you watch film or anything is there or are you just looking at Inspired you know, by baseball, old, old paintings and stuff. Like, where are you getting? I will do baseball subjects. Where, where <laughs> are you getting some of your inspiration from these days? Uh, you know, uh, basically, I'm looking at master paintings, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really, I'm just. I've always been fascinated with Jean Francois Millet, mm-hmm. the Barbizon painter. Sure. He's always been one of my favorites. Edward Hopper too, mm-hmm. and I think I'm more fascinated with the genre, the subject of genre. I mean, I'm not widely read where I'm going to start painting mythology and biblical scenes or yeah. anything like that. But, mm-hmm. but I really, I really like, I always liked intuitively genre painting. And I like Hopper and I like Millet and, I, and I'm, now I have a fascination with Anouye Daumier. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think he's incredible. And his paintings were completely invented. And when I think I'm not, I don't know, I, when I really want to feel liberated, uh, I just look at Daumier and that's the most liberated artist I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can paint I mean, you know, it doesn't look like nature, but he, but it doesn't matter because right. his sense of composition and color and tone and, and line is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I go to the Met, uh, the painting that I always go see is The Washerwoman by Daumier. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. 17 by 14. Yeah. But it's a painting that I'm just spellbound for some reason. And uh, so I, I'm kind of fascinated in that because I, I don't think that... Um, a picture per se always has to look like something mm-hmm. from nature. It could be interpreted, right? And I'm really fascinated by that. So uh, you know, um, so nature is like a departure point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nature obviously inspires us, mm-hmm. but it's how we interpret it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's just where I am personally, right? You know, and I'm kind of, and I, I took about two years ago. The summer was a complete flop because I was just falling on my ass all the time. I was trying to make paintings and I just didn't like them. And I'm just trying to figure out like, you know, what is, what am I doing here? You know, like, what am I, I need to keep deconstructing this. So, um, but I'm learning a lot. And I think you can only learn by trial and error. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do have to make a lot of, you know, flops, you know, right. Uh, so I'm make, making, hopefully there's less flops now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've made some really, I'd never show anyone. But <laughs> well, uh, I, see, I see some of them. <laughs> you but do. they're not flops. I go in there, I'm like, that's awesome. You're like, eh. I'm like, really? <laughs> no, no. It, the one you saw was a flop, believe me. And it, it was, uh, you know, I, I look at Guardi, Francesco Guardi, Guardi yeah. and mm-hmm. I say there's a magic there, and I just want to try to tap. And, and I really think that, I think it goes, you know, I think it points to drawing. I really do. I think it's all about drawing. It, mm-hmm. it seems like all, most of the artists I admire when I have, you know, that I know personally, when you have a conversation with them, it always goes back to drawing and how yeah. we're all obsessed with drawing. Because if you can draw it, you can paint it. Yeah. And if you can invent something, even if it's a drawing, you can paint it. You can paint it. But also so for is artists, painting all yeah. technique then versus drawing, which is... Technique is just like learning a, a process uh, that works 
you know, that's successful. And I think you have to learn the technique, and there's a technique to picture making, too. I mean, everything has to be deconstructed. There's a right way to do something. Mm. And, you know, so that's what I'm trying to investigate, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the... Uh, the first sketch, Primo Pensiero, as the Italians would call it, the first idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very small. And, and then from there, you know, how do you interpret that first sketch to the final product, mm-hmm. you know, the painting? And it's really, it, it's such a, it's such a um, difficult journey, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of, you know, what do I do next? You know, step one after the first sketch, okay, now where do I take it? Right. I mean, I remember just... Um, you know, I have an idea, but I just didn't know how to execute. I said, okay, I don't know what to do. Like, so you have to just kind of read about it. And, and again, you have to make mistakes. And mm-hmm. experiment a lot. Oh, my God. Seems like oh, there's God. a whole lot of experimenting it, it, when it comes to making. And it never, it never ends. You just want to experiment less. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit less on your that, that weight on yeah. your shoulders. I, I, I'm tired of experimenting. I really want to get this, you know, understood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I so. want to um, uh, quickly go back to the drawing thing. Um, you know, uh, you have a book out right now, and in drawing you, atelier, the drawing the atelier, the figure, um, how, to, how draw to draw in a classical, classical style. style. Um, See. by John DeMartin <laughs> and by John DeMartin. this book it actually came from a bunch of articles I like the way you said that yeah <laughs> but I'll be, came... I'm available for uh, voiceover <laughs> for the commercials he's got timber yeah. in that I'm voice I'm going to put you on my website drawing atelier the figure yeah. <laughs> Ted you're going to be on my website <laughs> <laughs> but the book was kind of came from a bunch of articles that you were writing for American Artist Drawing Magazine so originally the idea was that you were, well originally you were doing these articles and then it, it developed into this book. Did you do the articles with the idea of a book in mind or were you just doing these individual articles that then all of a sudden was like you know it would be a good idea is to compile these together and make this like really great book. That's yeah, I I I kind of uh, at first I didn't I didn't have the book in mind. What I was more concerned about was just writing articles that where I can present material in a sort of a logical way, mm-hmm. um, starting with uh, geometric solids. And, and Michael uh, Aviano really has been sort of, I've been consulting him all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, like before an article goes out, like Michael and I will sit down and he'll look at it and he'll give me advice, you know, look what to do. And even with the kind of the the curriculum or whatever um, in terms of the order of the, of the articles so yeah it was basically linear drawing mm-hmm. geometric solids and then going from there to uh, modeling geometric mm-hmm. solids because you know that's the next phase anyway so long story short it, it started becoming a kind of a, a progression and then after a while a friend of mine said you know you should maybe start thinking about a book mm-hmm. so were, were you were the the articles just the like, were they the end product or, or a byproduct of your the investigation that you were doing into drawing at the time? Or were they more like a desire to pass on everything that you had learned from Michael Aviano and everything that you had developed on your own based on what you had, you know, learned in the um, atelier setting? Yeah, it basically was things that I was learning on the way, mm-hmm. as well as what I knew. Right. And by consulting with Michael, um, we were able to kind of deconstruct it even further. Right. And uh, and it became something I really was inspired to share. Right. Um, because he's just as passionate as I am. Right. In terms of drawing and master drawing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to, um, 
kind of adding to the dialogue, I guess, mm -hmm. of drawing. Because right. I think, and I really believe this, I think uh, whether you block in or go for a gesture, I think, I think the more procedures you have, the better, mm -hmm. the more you can inform your drawing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm excited about getting that information out because I think it just enriches everybody. Right. You know, um, so, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm still doing it, I guess, and uh, it's a little bit laborious. <laughs> I don't want to do it as much, but uh, I'm still doing it. <laughs> doing more articles? The articles, Oh, yeah. but oh, the book is, is already out. The book is out, yes. And so... Are, are, is there a follow-up book with the new articles, or is, are you just kind of adding on? What, how does that work? Um, I am going to, I guess, keep writing articles, and there may be a book number two. <laughs> also, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm okay. not looking forward to doing it anytime soon because this mm -hmm. was very exhausting. I bet. Yeah. And when so, when you were doing, um, when you took the separate articles um, and started thinking about compiling it into a book, did you have to add a lot more information? I, the only thing I added was demonstration drawings. Okay. I, I, I looked at my articles, and I said, you know what? Um, and Michael Aviano, you know, I talked to him about it, too. He said, you know, too much text just discourages the artist. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way. We're you visual know. people. Lots, lots, of, read. lots of pictures. Absolutely. Lots of pictures, please. Absolutely. I want pictures. And he said, he said, you know, think about more pictures. Right. And also, I, I wanted more demonstrations. Yeah. Because I, I like to see not only what the artist can write but what they can draw yeah and i thought what the book really needed was more demonstration drawings and um so i the whole last summer i basically had models come to my studio and um i had i had enormous help from elliot goldfinger mm -hmm. i have to definitely give him a shout out because he's written two amazing anatomy books they're like the modern yeah. anatomy yeah. books that most artists use these days. exactly so. and he's is he also your guys's neighbor not to use a Westchester guy. He is New Rochelle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Elliot is, he uh, he's, he's, he's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, he's, I kind of been uh, consulting with him. Yeah. Just about, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. If I say, I, I called him every day, pretty much during the writing of this book. Yes, John, what do you want yeah. now? <laughs> trapezius, John. Trapezius. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, that's the trapezius. It's not the deltoid, whatever. Um, but, yeah, he was great. Um, but the first thing he said to do was get, get a, uh, uh, a contents. Because as soon as you write a contents, you've already, or you start thinking about the sequence of the book. Uh. So I did that. You almost um, had a sequence already. I did. Made. I did, but I but I, I shuffled it though. I, okay. I, I changed the sequence. Um, I, I did start from drawing flat drawings, you know, from the flat, you know, based on the the, uh, the French, you know, uh, treaties, and then from there, you know, the plaster cast. So I kind of, I don't, you know, I kind of go into that too. But then it's really about the figure, mm -hmm. um, figure longer pose, and then the head, the features, uh, and then short poses. I end I end the book with short poses, mm -hmm. um, but. Now Elliot was 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 great because we helped. He kind of helped me organize the contents. It's very neatly sectioned off, where it's like, here's one part, totally easy to understand in that almost like simplistic way, and then here's right to the next part. Um, you know, shading. Like I was looking through it, and you had like a whole section on shading, which was like here's cross hatching. Here's graining, here's stump, stumping, and then like materials. Right. Um, very easy to sort of read right through it and very easy to just 
understand it. The other part that I really liked was um, you go into different papers, let's say, tone paper, white paper, but then you broke down the different papers and how, you know, maybe this comes from the Aviano thing, the, the, the value of the paper. Here's a value three, meaning like a darker paper. Here's a value seven paper. Yeah. Here's your scale of if you're using this material on this paper. Right, right. I haven't seen that in books yet, and it was very easily easy to understand and very sort of concise. I'm really, really glad like to hear that. that. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the articles have helped uh, because um, they edit them too, mm -hmm. and I have to kind of streamline them and make them really uh, understandable. Um, yeah, the tone pa papers. I'm 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 glad I'm talking about that or introducing that because um, that's an important component I think to classical drawing, especially what we're talking about like picture making. Yeah, because uh, when you look at some of the to me, the drawings that really resonate with me are those um, virtuosic drawings by Carla Murata or something, you know, uh, investigating heads, hands, and feet, you mm. know, for, for an altarpiece. And they're, they're done pretty rapidly, uh, but they're done on toned paper because the paper fills for the in. Speed for the like speed of like hitting exactly. it with the, with the, so they were probably producing so many drawings that they were like, I don't have time to That's right. shade this thing. I yeah. just need a middle tone and hit it and hit it and move on. Absolutely, but it depends what you want to do. Obviously yeah. they were under a lot of pressure. I mean, It just happens nothing, to look really cool I, too. It, <laughs> so it becomes it an does. art in its own. It does, yeah. and I think, I think that's the thing that um, inspires me because I really want to start making more pictures and I think using that language of drawing I think it's something I want to start uh, uh, utilizing more and more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a, a another good thing to add yeah. to 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 what we're doing today. I had a question when I was looking through it. You had a fair amount of because the the book really revolves around the 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 uh, sensibility of old master drawings. Um, there was a, a fair amount of uh, old master reproductions in it. Um, how was it? Was it easy to get the rights to some of those images? Or yeah, I saw a lot of Michelangelo, so the Libyan Sibyl in there. Yeah, um, it it wasn't easy. I had to do a lot of investigating mm. in terms of you know what I can do legally, and I I consulted with other artists too that that have reproduced books, um, and uh, so it was a little complicated. It was mm -hmm. complicated. Yeah, but uh, but I think the I think the illustrations or the master drawings I chose were. The appropriate ones. I know that one chapter is on the uh, the hands, feet. I think the head, hands, and feet. I'm saying, oh, you know, what kind of drawing could I use as a as a introduction to that chapter? And that then, isn't just generally the one that everybody knows. Like you went and got some. Yeah, you know. because a lot of people haven't heard of uh, Baltazar Franceschini. <laughs> you know, uh, he's not. Who a, hasn't he, heard of Baltazar? He, he, he's not a household Don't look name. Over here. I'm looking at you, Jay. Baltazar, damn you! <laughs> but Jay has, because Jay and I were talking about him earlier. <laughs> but, but but anyway. <laughs> That's um, not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but these guys, I I really I lo love, you know, and I think that's what's so great about master drawings I, I should get paid for you know plugging them but you see a lot of these masters like my god i never heard of this guy but look what he can do you know and uh, so There's so much of that oh my gosh you know it's like a treasure trove it's crushing though it's weird. it is crushing because you're like, <laughs> like why these guys you never heard of and they draw like angels oh. yeah yeah 
<laughs> I, see, I see that all the time and it depresses yeah. me it's inspiring but also just like if, yeah. if if you know western civilization doesn't know who this person is then you know what chance do i have <laughs> <laughs> i know it's really it's intimidating um but it's also fun to kind of shine some light on these guys yeah too you know well what uh, also when you go when you really jump into the old master world every, what they do drawing and painting wise seems so otherworldly that you're like it's yeah. just unattainable let's say you took that you simplified it in a very modern way meaning you were still it seemed to me that it still had the spirit of everything you know that is great about the old masters but there's this simplicity in there with the graphs see, that you would show with some of the you know the um, just examples of the graphics and the 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 shapes the diagrams the uh, some of the photos you used uh your your own beautiful drawings which i really love your drawings um so to me i it's think it's an it, awesome drawing on the cover yeah that drawing is awesome oh, thank uh, you. but there's a modern simplicity to the book without uh, without losing the feel of the old masters because again their work can get so um so so at times almost feel like un unattainable yeah yeah i think that i think that's what's fun about meeting with michael aviano because michael has a very curious mind Mm -hmm. um he has a, a, a dictionary he's got uh, he wants to look up terms and he wants to make things as concise as possible um like turning tipping and tilting you know the head like very simple catchphrases the points are at the joints that's where the action is mm -hmm. i mean he really <laughs> makes it understandable wow i could understand that there you go <laughs> <laughs> even jay brahma <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it, so <laughs> no it's great i uh but, and, and Michael's responsible for a lot of the, the language we use today, like open grisaille. Like, that's Michael. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, closed grisaille, Michael Aviano. Um, wow. All these terms. I um, use that all the time. Yeah, I so used there you open grisaille like the other, yesterday I used it. There you go. So, but Michael has this knack for deconstructing something and making it very, very easy, uh, demystifying. And what's, what's fun about master drawings is that... Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could break it down and, and hopefully uh, construct it, and I, I'm I'm really excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he he has terms like optical boundary, which means the outside contour, mm -hmm. the last part of the form you can see. Oh yeah. Then uh, he ha then he has another form that's really uh, uh, tr intrigues me is base boundary, which is where the form where the origins of the form rise up from. In other words, the interior shapes of the forms. And those two aspects of line drawing, I think, are basically prevalent in a lot of old master drawings, especially, you know, 18th century mm -hmm. and earlier, um, where you see uh, overlapping lines, where you see an optical boundary actually on the inside of the form, mm -hmm. which means that there's a satorious, you know, uh, spiraling and f you know behind the vastus medialis or something. Yeah, you know I'm trying to remember my anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> I know Elias listening to this. So anyway, so those overlapping lines and those lines that spiral. See, the thing I really love about master drawings is the drawings are three dimensional, even in line. Right. And and that's what yeah. I'm really I'm really I'm I'm captivated by. It's fascinating yeah. how much yeah. form they get. Absolutely. They, they don't have to shade, crosshatch, or anything. Right. And there's so much volume in their drawings. It's really and, and it points to their picture making. Yeah. It points to their ability to invent. And you were saying before that even their imagination drawings they're so uh, 
uh, there's so much plasticity, so yeah. much form yeah. mm-hmm. in those drawings. And, uh, and I think it, it, that, to me, is, uh, is really exciting because it really can give an artist a tremendous amount of freedom if they can invent a lot out of their imagination, not saying the whole way, mm-hmm. um, uh, but if you can, if you can uh, do as much as you can out of your imagination, I think you're much more equipped when you do have the model. You yeah. know that comes into your studio because you kind of know what you want the model to do. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first was starting. I, I you know, a model would show up and oh, I think I'll oh, try this, try that. You know, I don't, I don't know what the, what, what I want the model to do. So um, I think the more you can explore that out of your imagination, you're already honed in in terms of what you want the model to do. It's also good for time efficiency. Oh God. This model. Yeah. yeah. You got to pay them to like, I, I don't know. know about this. I know. If you have an idea stuck in your head, you're Can't, like, yeah. I know exactly what I want. Exactly. And if you can draw it out in your head before they even get there and said, this is what I want. Let's figure out how you're going to get into this crazy <laughs> mode. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How um, did you ever, inv- is there an, a way, uh, how do I explain this? How should somebody use this book? Like, the di- how should a beginner look at this book? Or, or is how- it even for beginners? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's for both uh, professional artists, um, working artists, and beginners as well. Mm-hmm. Um, should it be yeah. something like chronological, like start it cover to cover, read it? Or can you jump around, or is it something that, you know, you can do both and then eventually sort of jump around and sort of re-educate uh, yourself? in sections as opposed to, you know, start at page one and end on page whatever. I, I, th- I think you can do that. I think you can do it in sections. Uh, if you're starting out, I think you can, I like the order of the book because the first chapter basically is uh, about copying drawings. Yeah. And I give advice in terms of how to check yourself uh, when you do copy. Before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Before you wreck yourself. <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, there's things I think very practical, hopefully, that would be... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, even just basic measuring, I was just leafing through it, and there's yeah. a lot about that, which i I amazed. Like, I, I mean, I, I, didn't I had to learn to me- it. I didn't, have to, I didn't learn how to measure I until, did. like... I mean, like until like last when I met right, Jacob, right. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like I, I measuring. measuring never really occurred to me. Like I knew that in cartoons, like artists it's with thumb. their berets would hold their thumb out. I never knew what that meant. Yeah, and it just looked good. It, well, it did. Yeah, so <laughs> occasionally always, I would do it, but it didn't mean anything to me. And then like measuring, it's it's kind of crazy that that's something that you would have to learn. But then in my teaching, I find that you know somebody has gotten down the road a little bit and they don't like they kind of know that they hold the brush up but they're actually measuring not really using it in a useful way and it's amazing how much you know just basic stuff you have to kind of really make sure that you're getting that across and you got to start from exactly square one yeah i I think it's pretty clear in fact um uh, um, elliot was a huge help i mean he assisted me in taking pictures of uh me measuring the model, mm-hmm. and in Photoshop, I was able to layer them, oh, where yeah. I can superimpose mm-hmm. my hand and, yeah. and the needle, and so say, you were green screening your hand. <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, the old magic wand tool. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, so it was great. I was able to, to put on layers and really, you know, pinpoint where the top of the needle was and where my thumbnail was in terms of getting the head measurement. Let's say, yeah. right. Um, and Michael has an ingenious way of measuring called optical reduction. 
um, where you, um, from the model, um, you could look at it in the book. Anyway, yes. you, you could drawing uh, Atelier, the figure <laughs> by John um, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can, can actually uh, look at the model with with a like a measure like a bicycle spoke or something, yeah. and uh, you can align the top of it with the model, and you don't have to have your arm completely stretched out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have it any any comfortable any, distance so you from can, your eye. Because generally, just uh, when you're measuring from with your arm, you you want to that's comparative exactly comparative the same measuring. because you always want yeah. to make sure that distance is right right, right. That, that that's called comparative yeah. measuring. Uh, this is up it's where it's where you don't have to do that. So you have the top of the needle and then you have your thumbnail maybe at the you know in other words you've got to get the entire height of the model first and it takes uh, two hands to do this. So mm-hmm. so one hand would be getting the entire height of the model within mm-hmm. the, within your needle, and then your left hand will will pinpoint. The point that you want to measure it's like linear proportion so right. with one your segment compa- you know in relation to a, the right whole. so let's say with your right hand your your right thumb is maybe at the f- the, f- the foot at, of the model the, right, the exactly. top of the needle is at the very uh, very top of the head right right so you have right. that measurement yes then and, you take your left you, hand exactly and then you mark off let's say you want the head length okay. you mark off the chin but you have to hold it and then you transpose transfer it, you transfer it to, that to your to your paper mm. and just make sure that the top and bottom is aligning with your top and bottom and make sure that the needle is perpendicular or parallel with oh, the right, right. now if you had a third hand <laughs> you don't ever have to let go and somebody could just mark all this off for you and that's where elliot goldfinger came in yes <laughs> between yes, I, I i need a little help from my friends <laughs> yes when he's not gardening and if you know elliot you'll oh know. elliot is an amazing gardener I that's mean, he's, his whole he's, thing he's now. passionate and someone has said are you sculpting he's he says like, no. no i'm mowing lawns that's all he cares about yeah no he's he's really yeah yeah he's taking his artistic uh acumen and he's applying it to gardening Yes. <laughs> so with the measuring, so you put that in the book, and um, now do um, you yeah. when you draw when you have a blank piece of paper in front of you, do you take a lot of measurements first, or do you just start sketching and sort of you know measure later? We're talking tech because people love tech. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Jay is captivated at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's all right. Um, He's on OK Cupid. Not on OK Cupid. <laughs> Um, J date. That's, that's a good question. Though. No, you know what? I I don't encourage measuring at all. Uh, and if, I I love the line of action. I mm. love gestures and all that stuff. However, there's a, a place in the book where um, it's a reclining pose, and I foreshortening. I, foreshortening. And yeah, exactly. Ouch. And I talk about actually how to at least place the figure on the on the page without without it, you know. Uh, going off the sides, going off the sides. The sides yeah. yeah, without controlling the size, yeah. So basically, it's uh, with the optical reduction getting the horizontal outer extremities of the model mm-hmm. and the the vertical, and then replicating that on your pad. And what's good about that is you can make it uh, the size of a ten foot, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. figure or a small figure. So, um, so. You what need I a big do is bike I, spoke. For, what's that? Big bike spoke. <laughs> big bike spoke. <laughs> Those old timey no, bikes. No, you, you know, that, that's the thing. Wheel you don't need that. You, you just have to stand further back from the wall, but you still get your height to width. Oh, I thought you meant a ten foot drawing. Yeah. Well, even with ten foot drawing, you still could use a bicycle spoke. I have to show you how to do that sometime. That, I, yeah. I <laughs> anyway, I'll um, be able to learn it first because his studio is right across <laughs> that. Oh, <laughs> how? No, let me ask you this. Um, uh, how would you approach? A one-minute drawing versus a twenty-minute drawing. Same way. Nice. Uh, line of action. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like to go for the action, but the reason why the reclining pose, I just thought I'd get the limitations or the extremities of the model first, mm -hmm. and that way I can just, you know, land the drawing within those extremities. Uh, I know where the head is, I know where the feet, feet are, I know where the top and bottom, so basically I'll, I'll sketch very loosely, but it's almost like I'm kind of creating a, a flexible grid, mm -hmm. and I'm putting the grid down on paper, mm -hmm. and I'm now just sketching very loosely, but I know that my head's gotta be here, and the foot's gotta be over here. Right. And, and the knee is going to be up here, and the head's going to be down here. But otherwise, yeah. you, try and, you don't want to do a whole lot of measuring? Uh, I just want to measure. If there's, if there's something to measure, the only important thing to measure is really usually the head mm -hmm. and, the, and the pubic bone. Mm -hmm. Because you want to get more or less where the middle of the figure is, right. even with a foreshortened pose, right. and where the head is. Right. And that's it. Otherwise, it's, it's too mechanical. Mm -hmm. It's too stifling. Mm -hmm. um, but even like uh, short poses, like 20 minutes, I, I'll never measure. Oh, yeah. And, and it's getting to the point where I, I don't really measure at all anymore. Because uh, I've just I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. I keep waiting for that moment to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, however, I mean, when you're stuck, it's nice to have, though. And I do get stuck every now. So yeah, I find that it's like a nice just uh, like if you don't have somebody else to take a look at your drawing, measuring is kind of an objective observer sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a way to get out of your own head and see something objectively once you're already attached to the drawing and you've accepted all of its flaws. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really important. Like Which a mirror, tough. you know, yeah. having a mirror also. Right. When you're mm -hmm. doing a portrait, I mm -hmm. mean, God, I mean, you need a mirror, you know, any kind of objectivity mm -hmm. that you can find. Um, but no, but it's great. I mean, if something's going wrong, and believe me, I mean, if I'm struggling, I'll just take out that old bicycle spoke. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just use it, you know. So Turn it upside down. <laughs> take a quick look at it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think it's got, I think it's got information for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I really love, I mean, uh, and I'm not saying this because you're my friend. It's a handsome job. You're more than a friend. <laughs> I, but, um, Tony, I appreciate you whoa. making this but happen. But it's, uh, it's, um, it's a very... It's a, it's I don't know a, what's going on at that studio. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really... My shower's broken again, John. <laughs> John, I went to the gym yesterday. Oh, no, my now my towel's broken. Really it's just, it's so sore, and I know you're an athlete. Are you guys just making work for me at this point <laughs> to, to delete this shit? <laughs> well, you're going to have to believe about that naughty language. <laughs> so, uh, knocking on the door. Oh, there's Tony again. Yeah. <laughs> Forget these guys. Actually, Tony, you're the opposite. I thought, uh, when you work, I mean, it's really admirable, actually. When you're in your studio, you work. I mean, you're like a monk. I mean, it's great. Well, he I mean, closes the door. I close the door, and I usually cry in the corner because I'm usually pretty either frustrated or just scared. If I knock on the door, I'm saying, oh, I don't know if I should knock on the door because I know Tony's working, and you know, I'm go away. Calling at these days. Yeah. I want people to think I'm working, but I'm usually sitting there not knowing exactly what to do. But um, it's it's really a great book, and I'm not just saying that. Seriously, um, I've seen we've seen a lot of drawing books come and go, and I really think this one will stay because it really is concise. It's simple to understand, and it's 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 beautiful. Have great drawings from you and old master drawings, and I think the information. And this is another thing I said this with Scott's um, videos. With Scott um, Waddell's videos is it, you don't dumb it down, and that's I think. Um, 
something that um, we can't do as mm-hmm. artists and teachers is like we're gonna dumb it down for the masses. For Jay Braun. For Jay Braun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's, uh, I don't know. I was pretty impressed when he knew who, knew who bought the salary Francis King was. So, so. <laughs> he knows his fault. You guys after the set. I'll pay you once we're done recording. But it's a gorgeous book. It's a hardcover now. Um, it is hardcover. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Can people get it on Amazon? Yeah, Amazon. And uh, actually, uh, my website has been kind of hasn't been updated in about three or four years, but I think it will be in a couple of weeks. But you can you can actually you can get it now on my website as well. Yeah. What's your is website? In, uh, JohnDeMartin.com. JohnDeMartin.com. Yeah. yeah. Drawing who, Atelier the Figure. Yeah. And who puts yeah. it out? John it's Northlight Books. It's Northlight Books, yeah. Um, well, it's a great book, and um, I'm glad it, I'm glad. Uh, I know you. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad I get too. Because I get. Free I'm stuff. not glad that you guys know each other. Tony's really get, awkward. I'm get, sorry about that. I get, you let me We're finish. still learning. Because I get free stuff. We're still socializing. <laughs> I'm trying to learn. He's, we take him away from the wolves once a week or so. <laughs> Ted is getting more uncomfortable as this interview goes on. No, but I have to say, though, uh, Tony, thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate it. It was very, very thoughtful of you to get me on here and, yeah. and promote the book. So that's great. And, really and it's it. great. You're an author. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Really thank cool. you very much. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Great, Ted. Great. So um, look for the book, Drawing Atelier, the figure, draw in a classical style. Uh, it's through Northlight Books, right? Northlight Books, You can get right. it on Amazon? Yep, Amazon and, or John and the website. Yeah. Dot dot com. Maybe johndemartin.com? Yeah, dot com. As well. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I really look forward to seriously look, going <laughs> out and seeing it. Like, like yeah. Um, really enjoyed you coming over here and having a chat with us. Thanks. Thanks, and, guys. And uh, thank you, Grand Central Atelier, thank where you, we Grand recorded. And thank you, yeah. Jay Braun, for... Yep. And get on that uh, iTunes. Get on that iTunes here. and uh, <laughs> like and share and uh, write some reviews on how awesome this program is. So um, it helps us out a lot. So spread the word, and we will do more of these great episodes, like John DeMartin's. <laughs> Yeah. Well, where'd Tony go? He just ran out the door. Yeah. And we never saw him again. He was like crossing his double crossing as he drank the whole bottle of water. His pee bladder. <laughs> All right. Good one, guys. Very good. Thanks, Jay. Thank, Thank you. you. Great. John Demers! <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure that you don't actually pronounce <laughs> yeah, the, the. It has the, to be like. Send yeah. you to Vegas and do the boxing. I'm ready. I'm ready. One, two. Oh, wow. I sound so good.